It's just so great to know <laughs> how great is our God. What a blessing. And take a look at the, the first scripture I gave you. First Chronicles 29. And because sometimes we sing songs and we don't understand that there's a there's a meaning behind the songs. There's a message to the song. There's a reality behind the songs. And 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 we talk about the greatness of our God. First Chronicles 29 and 11, it says, thine, O Lord, is the greatness. It's not just a song. It's the word of God. God is God's not trying to become great. God is the greatness. You got to love that family. I, I meditate on this scripture every day. This is one for the past two, three weeks, the whole month of January. I've meditated on this scripture each morning because I need to wake up and know that despite what goes on in the course of the day, Lord, you are the greatness. But you're not only the greatness, you are the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. But it gets better. Look at this. All that is in heaven and in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head above all, above everything. Verse 12, both riches and honor come from you. You reign over all and in, and in your hand is power and might. And in your hand, it is to make great and to give strength unto all. That's why, Lord, we thank you and praise your glorious name. Sometimes we don't even know why we're praising God. But when you meditate on this, you realize there's a reason. Because God is the greatness and the power and the victory, the glory and the majesty. Come on, family, be encouraged, encourage yourself. Despite all that's going on, you got to understand this. You have to internalize this. You have to realize that, it's, that all power and might is in God's hand and it's up to God to make great and to give strength unto all. Without God, we could not do anything without God giving us strength. So this is just a worship scripture. Look at Psalms as well, Psalms 145 and three. So sometimes we don't know how to start our day. Sometimes we don't know how to worship. How great is our God? You can get that song off of YouTube and you can let that play and you can meditate on these scriptures each and every day. It will change your life. It will change your perspective. It will change your attitude. Psalms 145.3 says, great is the Lord and greatly to be praised and his greatness is beyond understanding. You're not supposed to know. That's why we walk by faith and not by sight. God's greatness is beyond understanding. So when we sing that song, it's not just words we're pulling out of the air. It's the scripture. God is great, greatly to be praised because he's greatly to be praised, to worship, to be a worship, adored, celebrate. And his greatness, he's not trying to become great. His greatness is beyond understanding. You're not supposed to understand it. And that's a good thing because we're not on the level of God. God is God. He created us. He created us. We didn't create him. So I just wanted to share those worship scriptures with you. That's how you start your day. Sometimes we don't know why we sing songs. We just sing them. We don't know the meaning behind them. Every song we sing, there's a scripture and it's the word of God behind it to be meditated on so you can walk and you can grow with God. And you're not worried about little stuff because how great is our God? His greatness is beyond understanding. He is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory and the majesty. The game has already been won. Our game was already won when Jesus Christ resurrected on that third day. He's the victory and the majesty. 
We just have to go through, as we'll read today. Some storms we have to go through, but we've already won. We already have the victory. Sometimes God delivers from death. Other times God delivers in death. Either way, we have the victory and we've won. It's nothing to be afraid of, nothing to fear. Get into the word of God, meditate daily, and then go out and share the word of God. So I wanna thank you so much again for being with us this morning. Uh, I'm fired up to get into the message, so I wanted to share that with you. Make a note, be engaged. Come on, family, we're praying and fasting each Sunday morning. There are souls to be saved. There's uh, souls that need to be rededicated and brought back to God. We have to have an urgency to the assignment and get out and share the word of God. I want to thank you so much for your giving. Uh, thank you for those of you that give online, your desktop, uh, you go to the South Bay, www.southbayalc.com, southbayalc.com. Go ahead and click the giving icon, give accordingly on your phone. Same thing, southbayalc.com. Click the three bars, press giving, give accordingly. You're still like me and you're writing checks, make it pay to, payable to SBALC, SBALC 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Let me say it again, 3553 Atlantic Avenue, Suite B-279, Long Beach, California, 90807. Uh, please make a note for Bible study. We had an awesome and amazing time. We're in 1 Kings chapter 18. We got halfway through. It is the showdown between Elijah and the false prophets. You don't want to miss it. Uh, we will finish the second half. So read the entire chapter of 1 Kings um, chapter 18. And if you haven't attended Bible study this year, make, make Wednesday night the night that you attend. It is powerful. It is incredible. Uh, all the coordinates and everything are on our website, southbayalc.com. So I look forward to seeing you. We had just an amazing time like we do every Wednesday, but it's incredible to see the false gods. They called on their false gods. Of course, they didn't answer. And now we're going to get into where Elijah calls on a true and living God. And um, you don't want to miss it. Don't get caught up in the false gods. Don't commit to the counterfeit. Commit to Christ. You want to be there Wednesday night. And then... Um, if you have a prayer need, prayer request, or a praise report, please give us the privilege of praying for you. Life at SouthBayALC.com. Life at SouthBayALC.com is our website. Uh, and then I want to just ask that you all participate with me. Those of you that can, with our praying and fasting, we have our, we have our uh, first meal after service each and every Sunday. But we're praying and fasting for healing, deliverance. Uh, folks to be set free from any addiction. We're praying for our country, our friends, our family. And so we're doing that all Sunday morning. Then we have our first meal after service. And then today is communion service. So make sure you have your juice, you have your wine, you have your crackers or your bread so we can participate in the commandment that God, uh, Jesus Christ gave on the night in which he was betrayed to take communion in remembrance of him and never forget what God has done. Get your life in biblical perspective. Take communion. Remember, Christ died, he resurrected, he ascended, and he's coming back for us. And that's what communion symbolizes, um, that Christ will come back for us. So be encouraged. It's a great day. And then uh, I wanna thank those of you that, that shared the message. Remember, today's message will be on YouTube. 
by this evening. So um, I saw that several of you went and shared it with others. So I just want to thank you for that. So uh, just the work of an evangelist. Send them the link, the YouTube link, and say, listen to it for five minutes and let me know what you think. Listen to it for two minutes and let me know what you think. And they'll get the word of God. God will be speaking right to their heart. You know how you open the Bible are you, and it's right there, the scripture that, that God has placed right for you. I'm believing that when they go to YouTube, they, wherever they pick it up at, God's going to speak right to their heart. So do the work of an evangelist. I'm making it easy for you. Just send them the YouTube link, text it to them. Listen to this for a few minutes. Let me know what you think. Amen. Well, let's go ahead and get into the word. Uh, let's go ahead and pray. Lord, we love you. We bless you. We thank you, Lord, because you are the greatness. You are the power. You are the glory. You are the victory. You are the majesty. You are great. You are greatly to be praised. And you are beyond. Your greatness is beyond understanding. God, we love you for that. So, God, we choose to love you. We choose to serve you. We choose to walk by faith and not by sight. We thank you and we bless you, Lord. That your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. It illuminates the way, Lord, as we try our best to navigate through this dark, fallen, broken, dead, and decaying world. Holy Spirit, lead, guide. Holy Spirit, speak to our heart. We open our heart, our mind to receive what God is speaking to us this morning through his word. Lord, we love you. Speak now, God. We need revelation that leads to transformation and application. God, we need to hear from you. So much going on in the world today. So much happens from Sunday to Sunday. God, we need you now. Holy Spirit, speak. We love you. We bless you. We thank you in advance for your word. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. If you would, family, open your Bibles to Jonah chapter 1. We'll pick it up at verse, well, I'll read verses 4 and 5, then we'll, uh, then we'll pick it up at verse 5 and we'll continue on. Make a note as we, um, as we get into the Word. Family, there are some storms that we just have to go through. We know the root of the storm is sin and disobedience and running from God, but some storms we have to go through. And then as we're going to learn today that God is telling us and giving us the opportunity while we're in the storm, minister in the midst of your storm. Let me say that again. Minister in the midst of your storm, family. Um, sometimes we think the storm is for us. Yes, it is, but it's, 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 it's not. The storm was, was just as much for Jonah as it was for the men in the boat. And as we finish, Jonah, we'll see how the men committed their life to Christ because of this storm. Somebody's waiting for you in the midst of your storm to minister to them so that they can be saved by our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Stop feeling sorry for yourself. Blow out the candles to the pity party. Put the cake away and minister in the midst of your storm. Somebody's counting on you to minister to them while you're going through. Some storms we just have to go through, and we'll talk about that later in the message. Verse 4, but the Lord sent out a great wind into the sea, and there was a mighty tempest in the sea, so that the ship was likely to be broken. Then the mariners were afraid and cried every man unto his God. Cast forth the wares that we got rid of the stuff that was in the ship. 
threw it in the sea to lighten the load so it wouldn't sink. But Jonah was gone down into the sides of the ship and he laid down. Make a note, he was laying down and he was fast asleep. Says he was in deep sleep. He's unconscious in the midst of a storm. God is saying we need to wake up. First we need to wake up and then we need to get up and then we need to go out in the midst of the storm. We can't sleep through this one, family. We're not gonna be able to sleep through this pandemic. It's not just gonna go away. We have to get out and we have to minister. You have the, the mariners, the fishermen, they were afraid. When you're connected to false gods, yes, you should be afraid. When you're serving a false god, you should be afraid. When a pandemic hits, when a storm hits, there's nothing there. It's a house of cards. It's sinking sand. It was built on sand. It's a sand castle. You should be afraid when a storm comes, when a pandemic comes. Because, see, when you're rooted in God, it tells us in 1 Timothy chapter 1 and verse 7, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. There's nothing to be afraid of. Even in the midst of this pandemic, yes, be, be, be careful. Take precautions. Do what you're supposed to do. Social distance. Be safe. But we're not afraid of anything because God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. We're praying that God would deliver us from death, but then there's times that God delivers through death. Either way, we serve the, the God that's great, the glorious God, the powerful God. We have the victory. He's majestic. There's none higher than him. He is the king of kings. So as we go through, there's nothing to be afraid of. Jesus conquered death. He rose on that third day and showed he has all power and authority in heaven and on earth. People are saying, well, well I don't know what happens when you die. What do you mean you don't know what happened? It's in the word. Jesus came back. He preached for 40 days after he resurrected. We do know what happens. Whether you want to believe it or not, that's on you. There's nothing to be afraid of. God's greatness is beyond our understanding. Trust the word. You got to read the word so you can trust the word. It's nothing to be afraid of. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 18, it says there is no fear in love. And then it says that perfect love casts out all fear. We know in the scriptures as well that Jesus is love. God is love. So there's no fear in God. There's nothing to be afraid of. So as believers, as born again believers, if you're walking around in fear, then you have to check. Are you really connected to the true and living God? Because God is love and there is no fear in love and perfect love casts out all fear. So you have to learn to trust God and stop being afraid. These fishermen were afraid they weren't connected to God. You and I are going through the storm. We're going through the pandemic. We got our own personal storms that we're going through, but it's nothing to be afraid of. Why? Because we're connected to the true and living God. And God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind through Jesus Christ. And perfect love cast out all fear. There is no fear in God. So the mariners are afraid. Well, as they should be. Look at, look, listen to this, family. People are freaking out. People are afraid. You're the born again believer. You're the ambassador for Christ. You're the new creation in Christ. You got to wake up. And then you got to get up. You can't sleepwalk through this. We got to stop walking around like we're unconscious. It's an urgency to this. People are in a panic. They're crying just like these fishermen are. 
And we're walking around like we don't know what's going on. We have the true and living God. We can't be afraid. We have to share the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ. With all that we encounter, that's our assignment. It's not arrogance, it's, a, it's an assignment. If anyone be in Christ, they are a new creature, old things, a new creation, old things are passed away, behold, all things are become new. We are ambassadors, we are ambassadors for Christ. We're not gonna be able to sleep through this one. So here we are in verse six. So the, so the shipmaster, the captain, came to him, came to Jonah and said unto him, what meanest thou, O sleeper? Who's sleeping this morning? When you're supposed to be out serving and ministering in the midst of the storm, you're sleeping. What are you doing? Oh, God is saying to somebody, Why? when are you going to wake up? When are you going to embrace the calling that I have on your life? When are you going to get up and tell somebody about Jesus Christ? We can't sleep. Through. Stop sleeping. Oh, sleeper, what are you doing? How can you lay down in the midst of a pandemic? How can you pretend not to know God? How can you keep running from God in such an urgent situation that our country's in, that our city, our state, and our households are in, and we're sleeping in the midst of the storm? He says, call upon your God. If so be that God will consider us and we perish not. He's telling, oh, oh, this is, the unsaved captain is telling the saved Jonah to call on his God. The irony of that, that the unsaved is telling you, just like, hey, aren't you a Christian? Come to your job, aren't you a Christian? What is God saying? And we're so busy running from God, we can't even communicate what God is speaking we haven't spent time with God. We don't even know what God is speaking. We're so busy running and hiding from God that the unsaved is asking us questions about God and we're sleeping on the job. God forgive us. That's the, that's the irony of it. Uh, some, some storms, like I said, we have to go through. But we're sleeping in the midst of it when we should be ministering in the midst of the storm. Here's the whole irony of it. That we're the saved and we're sleeping and the ungodly is asking us, aren't you a Christian? And then Jonah, look at this, it even gets deeper. Jonah has the unsaved caught up in his disobedient drama. <laughs> That's the whole irony of this. The unsaved gets caught up in disobedient drama because of the believer that's running from God. God forgive us for allowing our friends and family, we're the believers and they're getting caught up in our disobedient drama. Man, our family's in the midst of a storm because of our disobedient drama. And we're walking around in a, in a deep sleep, trying to sleep off the, the storm that's caused by our sin and disobedience. <laughs> when we need to be confessing, repenting and running back to God. Verse 7, so they said, everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots. So they're desperate now. So they're desperate in the midst of the disobedience which is caused by Jonah. They're desperate in the, see, because they're unbelievers, they don't know what to do. So now they start taking chances. They, uh, they, they start looking at things like the horoscope to figure out their life. Now they're starting to look at things like the tarot cards. They're going to get their palm read. 
That's what the unsaved desperate do while the believing saved is sleeping on the job. <laughs> so they cast lots. They start gambling just to see they don't know what to do. They live by chance. They live it on accident. That's what the unsaved, they're, they're gambling with their life. They're gambling with their future. They're gambling with their purpose. While you and I have a future, we have a life in Christ. We have a hope in God. We have a purpose. We have an assignment, but we're sleeping on the, on the job. God, forgive us. Blow out the candles. Get up. Stop sleeping. Wake up. If ever there was a time when the world needed the church and the born-again believers to stand up and take a stand, it is now. There's some storms we have to go through. There's a purpose to it. God's called us to minister in the midst of the storm. So they're casting lots, verse 7. Everyone to his fellow, come and let us cast lots. Let us gamble with our life because we don't know what's going on. We're desperate. We're scared. We're afraid. We're not connected to God. And that's just what it is when you're outside of God. You're just rolling the dice with your life, with your eternal future. God help us. It's time for us to stop living on accident. And for those of us who are not saved, it's time for you to stop living on accident. And for those of us that are saved, it's time for us to have the urgency that God has and to get out and to minister, even in the midst of the storm. Remember, the storm is going on. The storm hasn't stopped. They're in the midst of a storm and they're gambling with their life. The born again believers, we're sleeping on the job. God, forgive us that we may know whose cause this trouble is upon us. So they cast the lots and the lots fell, again, fell upon Jonah. So Jonah's the one. So Jonah's the one that's running. The, the lot has fallen on Jonah. And then the questions start. Verse 8, then said they unto him, tell us, we're begging you. For whose cause this trouble is upon us? What's your occupation? Make a note, underline this. What's your occupation? Where do you come from? What is your country? Whose people are you? <laughs> Here, here's what God is asking the, the believers. Who are you? Who, who are you? Like he asked... Um, uh, Adam, when Adam was hiding, he asked Adam, where are you? But now he's asking, who are you? Really, who are you? What's your occupation? Do you realize you're an ambassador for Christ? Do you understand that you're a representative of Christ? Who are you? They're asking Jonah, who are you? What are you doing here? What country are you from? Who are your people? Make a note, family. Here's, here's the revelation with this. These are great questions, but the timing is horrible. <laughs> Let me say it again. These are great questions, but the timing is horrible. They should have asked Jonah this when they first met him. They should have asked Jonah this before they let him get in the boat. So, so here it is. We got to ask these questions before we let somebody, before we get into the boat. We got to ask people these questions. Here's the, here's the number one question. Are you running from God or are you running to God? Let's cut the chase. 
Next time you encounter someone, ask them, hey, uh, I just met you. Are, are you running from God or are you running to God? If they don't know, then they're running from God. They're disconnected from God. Don't get in the boat. Don't get in the business. Don't get in the bed. You got to ask the questions at first. Great questions, horrible timing. Too often we're getting connected with people that are going in the opposite direction. We don't want to ask the questions. We're afraid to ask the questions because you know why? Because we're in disobedience and we're running from God. So we really don't want to hear the answer. Let me say it again. These are questions you got to ask. Before you get in a boat, before you get in business, before you get in bed, ask the hard questions. They're asking the, asking the right questions at the wrong time. We're already connected. We're already in business together. We already got a kid together. We're already in this boat together. And now I want to ask the questions, but I should ask them at first. Let, let me make it simple. Common sense Christianity. When you meet someone, ask them, are you, let's keep it simple, are you running from God or are you running to God? If they look at you like a deer in headlights, you know they're running from God. And if they don't understand what you're talking about, then you know we're not getting in, 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 in a boat, we're not getting in the business. Shouldn't be in the bed till you married anyway, but that's another message for another time. So write questions in the, the wrong time. You know, we want to we ask, you know, stupid questions when we meet somebody and uh, we want to know what's your sign. Christians want to know what the sign is. So that lets you know you started off on a satanic slant already. See, because we should be talking about the one who created the stars, the true and living God, not about the stars themselves. That's, that's shallow. That puts a satanic slant when you first meet someone. So they already know, okay, they're not rooted. They're not grounded. They're just out there. They're living on chance. They're living by luck. They're living by happenstance. They're not living on purpose. They're living on accident. Oh, we're telling it this morning. We're calling it out this morning. God's saying, wake up, get up, stand up, and then get out and let someone know that Jesus Christ has all authority and power. But, but here's, here's what amazes me. When we get to verse 9, God shifts it. So even in the midst, so be encouraged. I know I'm being a little hardcore this morning. <laughs> but be encouraged, family. Did I tell y'all I love y'all this morning? Okay, but look, God shifts it even in the midst of the storm. God allows us to minister. Look at verse 9. Look at the grace of God. Recognize the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the kindness of God, the forgiveness of God. Because these men get saved that are on this boat. So in the midst of all the, the disobedient drama, you can minister and folks get saved. But you got to stop running from God. And you got to minister in the midst of the storm. What am I talking about? Look at verse uh, Verse nine, and he said unto them, I am a Hebrew. Go on and tell them, I'm a Christian. I've been running from God, but I love God and I know God. I'm a born again Christian. Let them laugh at you if they want to. 
But they're going to be the same ones laughing, going to be the same ones calling, asking for prayer. He said unto them, I'm a Hebrew and I fear the Lord. See, he didn't say he feared the storm. He meant he recognizes the awesomeness of God. He has a relationship with God. <laughs> he said, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a child of God. And I fear God. I recognize how awesome I recognize the greatness, the glory, the power, the victory and majesty that God has, that everything is in God's hand. He said, I understand all that. Now he's ministering. Folks, hear what I'm saying. In the midst of our disobedience, in the midst of running from God, in the midst of the storm, minister, blow out the candles and let people know. I might be struggling right now, but I love God. My heart's connected to God. I know that Jesus Christ is the King of kings and the Lord of lords. I know that Jesus Christ is the first and the last. I might be in the midst of a storm right now, but I'm going through. It's not the end of me. It's just something I'm going through. So I can tell you that Jesus Christ is Lord, that he resurrected on that third day. And he has all power and authority in his hand in heaven and on earth. Jonah's ministering now in the midst. Hear what I'm saying. We're too quick to judge people because they're in a storm, because they're going through, because they're not living right. Who is living right? <laughs> That's why we need God. Kids, the opportunity to minister. Stop being so hard on yourself. Stop being depressed and discouraged. God is with you in the midst of the storm. Love this part. This changes the game. When you bring God into the situation, when you bring God into the equation, when you bring God into the formula, it changes everything. Everything just shifted right here. They were being afraid, but now all of a sudden it's a calm that's coming because God has been brought into the picture. Bring God into your situation. Stop focusing on the storm. Stop crying about the storm. Stop panicking in the midst of the storm. Bring God into the storm. Remember, God delivers from death and then God delivers in death. We transition right into the presence of the Lord. The scriptures are clear to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. Jesus said, in my father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. Why are you afraid? If there's a mansion, rooms prepared for us. Jesus said that where I am, there you will be also. We all got to go through the storm. We all got to go through the, the, the death canal to get to the paradise with Christ. It's just the way life is. So it's no reason to be afraid. Bring God into the storm. If God doesn't deliver you from the storm or in the storm, then God will deliver you either from death or he'll deliver you in death. It's been many great men and women of God that's just got delivered right in death. Billy Graham says, one day you're going to hear. He would say it all the time. One day you're going to hear that I've died. He said, don't you believe it? He said, I'll be more alive than ever before because God delivers in death and through death. He said, I'll be more alive than ever before. Stop being afraid. Go through the storm. Minister in the midst of the storm. Verse 9, let me get back to this, <laughs> to this verse. He said unto them, I'm a Hebrew. I fear the Lord. Make a note, the Lord right there, Jehovah God. <laughs> I fear Yahweh. 
I fear the existing one. I fear Elohim. I fear Jesus Christ, the judge, the savior. I fear the God, the father, God, the son, God, the Holy Spirit. That's what he's saying right here. The plural. He said, the God of heaven, look what he says. Oh, come on, minister. Minister in the midst of the storm. The God of heaven, which has made the sea and the dry land. <laughs> he said, that's who, that's who I am. You want to know who I am? That's who I am. I'm struggling right now, but I love God. I'm in the midst of a storm right now, but I'm committed to God. Things seem to be falling apart. I just got laid off. My, my kids are acting up. My, my wife has left me. I'm going through right now, but I love God, is what Jonah is saying. Don't look at me. Don't look at me by what I'm going through. Look at me because of who I'm connected to. He gives his testimony. Give your testimony in the midst of the storm. I got saved when I was 17. I committed my life to Jesus Christ. I know that I'm going through, but that's not going to change. See, family, some storms we have to go through, and we've been thinking it's for us. But it's for those around you. So you can share your testimony. And it might seem like they're not listening because of what you're going through. But trust me, the word of God never returns void, but it accomplishes that which God sent it out to do. Use the storm, use the pandemic to give glory to God. Let me say it again. Use your storm. Use this pandemic to give glory to God. It's a pattern that God uses throughout scripture. Joseph is in jail and he shares his testimony. Daniel is in the lion's den. He gets out and he shares his testimony. Paul is on trial and he shares his testimony. Naomi and Ruth are in the midst of a death storm. Her husband has died. Naomi's husband has died. Her two sons has died. She's in the midst of a death storm. And some of us can relate to this in the midst of a pandemic. It's a death storm. Family and friends and loved ones have died. But God is right there with them. Esther and Mordecai are in the midst of a life and death storm. And God shows up. It's a pattern. That's repeated again and again after scripture. Now here we are. Some pandemics you read in the Bible. Some pandemics you read about in history. <laughs> but this pandemic we're living through. And if God did it for them, he'll do it for me. He'll do it for you. Use your storm. To minister to someone. And in each and every one of these situations, Joseph, Daniel, Paul, Naomi, Ruth, Esther, Mordecai, they went through the storm, they gave their testimony, they gave glory to God, and folks got saved. It's a pattern that God uses throughout Scripture. You got to go through some things. so that people can get saved. You're thinking it's about you, it's not about you. Look, look at, look, turn with me to Daniel chapter three. 
Look at the three Hebrew boys. They had to go through a firestorm. The three Hebrew boys had to go through a firestorm. They gave the glory to God. They had to minister in the midst of the storm. <laughs> and folks got saved. Daniel chapter 3 and verse 12. Make a note, family. Minister in the midst. Minister in the midst of the storm. Storm is for the people in the boat. It's for the people on your job. It's for the people in your family. It's for your friends. It's for your loved ones. So when they're asking you how you're doing, you give the glory to God in the midst of the storm. Jonah ministers to a captain. The three Hebrew, the three Hebrew boys minister, ministers to a king. Don't get caught in somebody's title. If they're not born again, they're searching. If they're not born again, they're in a panic and they're afraid. Make no mistake. Don't get caught up in somebody's title. Get caught up in God's title. Allow them to get caught up in the greatness and the power and the glory and the victory and the majesty. The one who controls heaven and earth in his hand is all power. His greatness is beyond understanding. That's the title that you share that they get caught up in. And that's the only title you need to be caught up in. The greatness. Because how great is our God? Daniel 3 and 12. The haters are always out there. So they want to hate on certain Jews. Certain children of God. Just like Jonah was a Hebrew. Same thing. These three Hebrew boys connected to God truly connected to God, not just in name and title, but in heart. There are certain Jews whom you have set over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, have not regarded you. They don't serve your gods, nor worship the golden image which you have set up. So you got the haters telling on people that aren't worshiping the false gods. And you better believe when people find out you're a Christian, oh, it spreads through the, through the job. You're the new employee and you're a Christian. Oh, it spreads through the job like wildfires. Oh, that's a Christian? So people are watching. They're watching you before the storm. They're watching you during the storm. They're watching you after the storm. It's just the way it is. We probably won't win any popularity contests, but that's okay. See, because it's not about us, it's about us giving the glory to God. Scriptures are very clear. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God, and God will lift you up at the right time. It's all about humility. But these haters are telling on, but look, make, make note of this in verse 12. So they're telling the king, these guys, they don't worship you, are the false gods, are the God that you set up. Make a note of that. See, because if man sets up a God, man can tear down a God. This God has been set up by men, by this king. He set up the golden image. The, this is what you're supposed to bow down and worship. Family, be very careful. See, remember, make a note of this. I, I believe I've shared it before, but it, it deserves repeating. Uh, a religion is invalid based on its 
its followers. I don't care who's following it. Some king is following, some president. I don't care about that. I want to know who's the founder, who set it up. This king right here, Nebuchadnezzar, he set up this God. If a man set it up, then a man can tear it down. A religion isn't valid based on its, its followers. It's valid based on its founder. Who's the founder of it? Nebuchadnezzar, it can be torn down. When you look at the religions, who's, well, let's say it, put it, who's the founder of Christianity? Jesus Christ, what did he do? He resurrected on the third day, spent 40 days after his resurrection, speaking to his disciples and others about the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, ascended up to heaven. There's physical, spiritual, and circumstantial evidence that validates the credibility of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That's where you have to start. Anything that's built by man is a house of cards waiting to fall down in the midst of a storm. If it's built on the solid rock of Jesus Christ, it will stand the test of time. Matthew made that clear. Jesus made that clear in Matthew chapter 7, verse 23-24. So be careful because there are other religions out there. You do your research. Who's the founder of Scientology. <laughs> Who's the founder of Mormonism and Jehovah Witness? How did it start? Who stood it up? Who set it up? If a man set it up, then a man can tear it down. I don't care who's following it. I don't care who's worshiping it. Get to the root. This has been set up by a man, and they're not worshiping, worshiping it because they're connected to God. Verse 13, then Nebuchadnezzar in his rage, he's upset because they're not going to worship the, the image that he set up. Like I said, it's not a popularity contest. <laughs> Christianity is definitely, de definitely these days. <laughs> it's not a popularity contest. It's not, you know, it's not in, in, in the culture. It's not in vogue. It's not cool to be serving the true and living God. They want to set up money. They want to set up stuff. Remember, we enjoy all that, but we worship nobody but our king of kings, which is Jesus Christ. Nebuchadnezzar in his rage and fury commanded to bring Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Then they brought them before the king. Notice in your Bible, that's a lowercase k. He's a king, but he's not the king of kings. We worship the relationship or the religion. Some say religion. We know that Christianity is a relationship that was set up by the king of kings. There are the kings out there, but there's only one king of kings. He supersedes all of them. Jesus Christ's name is above every name. There's no name higher than the name Jesus Christ. Verse 14, Nebuchadnezzar spake unto them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve any other gods nor worship the golden image which I have set up. To be very careful. That we don't serve images that's been set up by man. We don't worship anything that's been set up by man. This king is filled in verse 14. You can see it. 
It's filled with his pride, his arrogant, arrogance, his narcissism. You've got to watch and discern people like that. You've got to be careful of the man-made gods that are erected in our culture, in our society, that are people trying to get us to worship them. Verse 15, he says, now if you be ready at what time you hear the sound of the cornet, the flute, the harp, the, the psaltery, dulcimer, and all kinds of music, underline music. We'll talk about that next week. <clears throat> How music is used to get you to worship a false god, worship a false idol. Look what he says. In all kinds of music, you fall down and worship the image which I have made. They're in the midst of a firestorm because it's already been established that if anybody doesn't worship the golden image, they're going to be thrown in the midst of a fiery furnace. He said, if you fall, when you hear the music, if you fall down and worship it, that's okay. But if you don't worship it, then you should be cast the same hour in the midst of the burning fiery furnace. And who is that God that can deliver you out of my hands? Verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego said to the king, Nebuchadnezzar, we are not even careful. We're not going to even think twice about in this matter, answering you in this matter. Verse 17, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. He's saying God's going to deliver us from it or God's going to deliver us in it, from death or in death. Either way, we're not bowing down. Look what he says. But be it known in verse 18, be it known unto you, O king, that we will not serve your gods nor worship the golden image which you have set up. In the midst of a firestorm, in the midst of it when it's hot, in the midst of when it's crazy, it's never been like this before, they take a stand, share their testimony, for the goodness of God and say, I don't care what you've built. I don't care what you're trying to establish. We're not going to worship it. Family, in the midst of the storm, in the, in the midst of the craziness, the midst of the panic and all the false gods, we have to take a stand for our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Minister in the midst of the storm. We'll pick up the rest next week. So let's go on to um, 1 Corinthians 11 and 23. And we look how Jesus handled his storm. <laughs> on the night in which he was betrayed, he's in the midst of a storm. It's an internal storm as well. Because Jesus had to ask God if there's any other way <laughs> that mankind can be saved. But he said, not my will, but your will be done. So Jesus is in the midst of a storm. 1 Corinthians eleven twenty three, 23. And he uses it to share the goodness of God tells us to take communion, do this. So in, here we are in the midst of a pandemic. Here we are in the midst of our own corporate or personal storms. 
Jesus Christ says, do this in remembrance of me. It's all been written in the Bible. God knew that we would be in the midst of a pandemic and wars and rumors of wars and earthquakes and life and death and birth and marriage and divorce, pink slips, so much more. But Jesus paused and said, in the midst of your storm, the midst of your personal storm, in the midst of your corporate storm, do this in remembrance of me. Get your life back in biblical perspective. Don't get caught up in the storm. Get caught up in Christ. Don't commit to the counterfeit. Commit to Christ. Go on and grab your elements, your sacraments, your bread, your crackers, your juice, your wine. Paul is stating in verse 23, he says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, he took bread. You talk, he's in the midst of a betrayal storm. <laughs> Somebody been there? Amen. It's not fun. He took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, so you can give thanks. See, because it's all about glorifying God in the midst of our storm. You keep thinking that the storm is for you. You keep feeling sorry for yourself and you're discouraged. You're having the pity party. It's not about you. Get out of yourself. You're being too self-conscious. Get God conscious. And understand that God has you going through the storm. David said, yea, though I go through the valley of the shadow of death. Family, you and I were going through, but as we're going through, we got a minister in the mist. Just like Jonah did, just like Jonah's doing. Just like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego are doing. They're ministering in the mist, just like our Lord and Savior, our ultimate example, Jesus Christ is doing. He's ministering in the mist of the storm the midst of the betrayal storm. When he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take, eat, this is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Underline that. We're doing this in remembrance of Christ. Not a man-made God, not something that was set up by man, but this was set up by God. That's why it's 2,021 years later, we're still taking communion in remembrance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why? Because God told us to. Because it wasn't man-made, it's God-made. Man-made stuff doesn't last that long. It doesn't have the power. The blood never loses its power. It reaches to the highest mountain and it flows to the lowest valley. It's the blood that gives me strength from day Today will never lose its power. Folks are getting saved today just like they were after Jesus Christ resurrected. It never loses its power. The physical, spiritual, and circumstantial evidence of the resurrection is all around us and throughout the world. Do your research. Start with the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not man-made. 
is God made. That's why we do this in remembrance of Christ. Jesus had to pay a physical price so that we can be free. So family, if you're in the midst of a betrayal storm, pray for them. Jesus said, he, he, seven things he said when he was on the cross. The first thing, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. So we got to operate in forgiveness. Even if they think they know, they didn't really know. So in the midst of your betrayal storm, that's your prayer. Father, forgive them. They didn't know what they were doing. So you and I can forgive. Don't mean we're going to be buddy-buddy hanging out like we used to, but I don't harbor any hate in my heart. Because God's forgiven me for so much. And I know I was not innocent. <laughs> but while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. So if God could do that for me, then I have to forgive as God forgives, even in the midst of my betrayal storm. So God, forgive them for they know not what they do. And you paid a physical price. You were beaten, you were slapped, you were spit on. The crown of thorns were on your head. And you were able to forgive in the midst of your betrayal, which led to a crucifixion storm. But it wasn't the end because you resurrected on that third day. Go on and eat that which represents his body. Then elevate that which represents the blood of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 25, after the same manner also, he took the cup. And when he had drank, he said, this cup is a New Testament. Somebody underline that New Testament, New Covenant. See, I'm not excited about a new year. I'm excited about the New Testament. I have a new covenant with God, which is through his blood, through the blood of Jesus Christ. I've been forgiven of my sins, past, present, and future. That's not a license for me to live raggedy, but it's a license for me not to condemn myself in the midst of the storm because God has already died for those sins. And then it encourages me as an ambassador for Christ to go out and tell others, stop feeling sorry for yourself. Stop running from God. Stop condemning yourself. God has already died for your sins. You're not perfect. It's not about perfection. It's about progress. Understand the character and the nature of God. God is loving. God is forgiving. God is kind. God is merciful. God is good. He died for our sins. You don't have to earn it. You just have to receive it. He shed his blood for us and cleansed us from all unrighteousness. It's the greatest story ever told. It's what God has done for mankind. Verse 25, after this manner also he took the cup which he had drank, saying, This is the New Testament in my blood. Do you as often as you drink it in remembrance of me? As often as we can, we drink this. We do it corporately the first Sunday of each month. You don't have to be a member of the church. You just have to be a member of the body. If you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, please take communion. Please join communion with us. It's not a man-made thing. Jesus told us to do this in remembrance of him. It's not something the church set up. It's something God set up 
And we're following the commandment of God to do this in remembrance of him, to keep our life in biblical perspective in the midst of our storm. So we're encouraged to go out and share Jesus Christ with others. Verse 26, for as often you, as you drink, for as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you do show the Lord's death until he come underlines that. We're just saying, Lord, we love you. We know you ascended. And we're taking communion, Lord. And we'll do this until you come for us. Either we'll transition through death to be with you, or you'll come back and receive us through the rapture. Either way, Lord, we're going to be obedient to the command and eat the bread, drink the wine or the juice in remembrance of you. And we'll never forget you, Lord. We'll never forget what you've done. Thank you for allowing us to put our life back in biblical perspective this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Go on and drink that which represents his blood. If you're joining us this morning, you say, Pastor, I've, I've never had the opportunity to receive Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Somebody on Facebook shared this. Somebody invited me to the Zoom call. It's just what we all had to do. At some point in our life, we just asked Christ to come into our heart. It's nothing mystical. It's nothing magical. It's common sense Christianity. We go right by the word of God. Romans 10 and 13 says, whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's as simple as that. It's no strings attached. In Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says, for by grace are you saved through faith. It's the grace of God that we're saved through faith. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any person should boast. We're saved through, through grace, through faith through the gift of God. You just have to receive it. You just, you just say these words and you, just, you don't have to even say them, say them out loud. You say them internally, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Take over my life and make me the person that you created me to be. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. Thank you for resurrecting on that third day. Thank you that because of your death, I can live. Thank you for shedding your blood to cover all my sins, past, present, and future. Right now, Lord Jesus, I invite you into my heart as my Lord and Savior. Fill me with your Holy Spirit so that I can live for you. Lord, lead and guide me to a Bible-teaching church. Lead and guide me to people who are really living the Word of God so, that I, can, so I can grow in my faith and tell others about Jesus Christ. I receive you now as my Lord and Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Just as simple as that. Nothing mystical or magical. A commitment to the word of God, which is God himself. If you just prayed that prayer, same prayer for rededication. Lord, thank you that your word says if I confess my sins, you're faithful and just to forgive me and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. It's just rededication. God, I'm running back to you. I now realize my storm is for me to give you glory, not for me to feel sorry for myself or be upset with you. It's really not for me, it's for others. So I rededicate my life, Lord, and help me to be all that you created me to be, even in the midst of the storm. 
If you've done that, either you receive Christ or you rededicate your life, you can send me an email, life at southbayalc.com, life at southbayalc.com. I would love to send you scriptures so you can meditate on these scriptures and other resources that you can, that you can grow and learn about your decision for Jesus Christ. I want to invite you all to Bible study. You talk about false gods being set up. We're studying that in 1 Kings chapter 18. It is amazing. It is life-changing. Wednesday night, 6.30 to 7.30. All the Zoom coordinates on southbayalc.com, southbayalc.com. You'll find the Zoom coordinates there. Please join us. If you haven't joined us this year, make this Wednesday night the night that you join Bible study and be a member of it. It will bless your life. Then as always, I want to thank you for your giving. It allows us just to keep getting this word out, keep teaching the word, keep preaching the word, keep sharing the word with a world that's so desperately needed, with the world that's in a panic and crying out in the midst of the storm. And God's telling us to share our testimony and be those ambassadors for Christ. That's 1 Corinthians 5 and 20. We are ambassadors. We are representatives of Christ, representatives of reconciliation, letting mankind know that they can be restored to God. It's great news. It's the only thing that really matters in life, being restored and reconnected to God, becoming that new creation with the, with the new heart, new spirit, and new mind in Jesus Christ. This message will be uh, posted on YouTube, South Bay Abundant Life Church, Pastor Jerome Vincent Carter, Pastor Jerome V. Carter. So you put that in the search, YouTube, South Bay Abundant Life Church. You look for the, for the date today, 2-7-21. Copy the YouTube link, text it to your friend, family, coworker, boss, whoever. Say, hey, check out this message. Check out three minutes of it. Let me know what you think. That's all. Tell them, start it anywhere. Click it on anywhere, anywhere in the middle, around the middle. Listen to three minutes. Let me know it. Be an evangelist. Share the word. If they're not born again, they're searching. If they're not born again, whether they're doing it uh, verbally or internally, they're crying out and they're searching. And they're, and they're afraid. Let the word of God change the game. <laughs> the word of God changed the game on that boat. The word of God changed the game in the midst of the fire. The word of God will change the game in the midst of your storm as well. So that's it, family. Uh, enjoy your Super Bowl. Remember, uh, Jesus Christ is the victory. We already have the victory. So if your team does not win, just know that you are already victorious in Christ. So enjoy it. Be safe. Social distance. Wear your mask. Stay at home. Whatever you, whatever you choose to do, that's your choice. Uh, but enjoy it. Be blessed. Share the good news of Jesus Christ with someone today. If their team lose, let them know that there's a team that, that's never going to lose. It's called Team Jesus Christ. And that victory was won. And then show them that scripture where Jesus Christ is the greatness, the power, the glory, the victory 
and the majesty. He's already won and conquered all. Use it as a tool to witness to someone today. Our Super Bowl was won when Jesus Christ resurrected on that third day. Love you, family. God bless you. Lord, we thank you that you've come to give us life and that more abundantly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you, family. I'll see you Wednesday night. I so look forward to seeing you Wednesday night, Lord willing, and then Lord willing, I'll see you next Sunday. God bless you.